mindfulness mode. Pills don't teach skills. You got to look inside if you want to find the answer to your ills. Pills don't teach skills. Covering the truth in exchange for your dollar bills. Welcome to Mindfulness Mode and the five-year anniversary. My first episodes went live back in August of 2015. So thank you, Mindful Tribe, for helping to make this journey a success. I've invited past guests to help me celebrate over the next few episodes. So you will hear some clips and I'm excited about that. You can help me celebrate too, whether you're a listener, a past guest, doesn't matter. Leave me a quick message. Go to this website, speakpipe.com dot com slash mindfulness mode i'll repeat that speak pipe s-p-e-a-k-p-i-p-e speakpipe.com slash mindfulness mode and you will see a record button just hit record leave me a short message and i'll put it on an upcoming show i'll play it on the air and you'll also have a chance to win a mindfulness mode mug so Make sure that you don't hesitate. As soon as you finish listening to the episode, go to speakpipe.com slash mindfulness mode and leave us a message. Bruce, this is Brian Feltruck. I am so unbelievably proud of you and excited and honored to have been able to have been a part of this journey that five years of episodes, that is huge. You have nearly 600 episodes that are genuinely positively changing people's lives. I'm honored that you let me be a guest twice, very doubly honored in episodes 251 and 47, but really I'm more honored to be able to be a listener and to take in the message that I know you pour your heart and your soul into producing in each one of these episodes, because I know as I've gotten to know you personally, just how important it is that people take the message in and move their lives forward peacefully in a focused way on their present. You know, this moment we all have right now, you do so much to help bring our mind back to that. And as I reflect on my own little piece of that five-year journey and knowing how much work it takes for every episode, let alone the staying power to do it for five years and almost 600 episodes already, it's breathtaking and I'm thankful for it. So to you, my friend, congratulations. Thank you from myself as a listener and to all the other listeners. Amazing work. And thank you for what you're doing for all of our lives. Congratulations, Bruce. And so now sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. Hey, Mindful Tribe, this is going to be fun. I have an edutainer with me today. Mm. <laughs> he's a professional no guy. Yeah, yeah. He, he's, <laughs> no pressure. He's already starting to edutain us. And he's a professional guy who's both a chiropractor and an educator. So that's an interesting mix. He specializes in helping individuals get to the root cause of their physical and emotional challenges so they can transition from stressed, depressed, and anxious to living a powerful, aligned, and on-purpose kind of life. So my guest today is Dr. Nima Ramani. So Dr. Nima, great to have you here. It's great to be here as I raise the uh, the uh, table so that I can stand for this. I feel uh, this is going to be a high-energy uh, conversation, so I want to get myself uh, stood up to have the, the conversation. Definitely high-energy. And tell us in a high-energy way, what does what does mindfulness mean to you? Mindfulness, ironically, if you asked me two years ago, I would have had a completely different answer. 
what I've discovered is the way that I can get as mindful as possible is to ironically get into my body. To be connected to my senses is the most mindful thing that I can do is if I'm literally connected into my senses, into smell, into touch. In this moment, as you sit there and you become aware of how your butt feels on the chair, you're being mindful and ironically, you're actually being in your body. So it's a, a little bit of a duality there. The most mindful thing I can do is to get into my body. And so when you edutain, when you have fun with people, you teach people, but you do it in an entertaining way, what, mm. what elements of mindfulness do you use as you do that? For myself or in my lectures and in my calls and trainings? Which one are you talking well, about? Well, I'm thinking about when there's an audience present. So that's what I'm thinking about. When there's an audience present, what elements of mindfulness do I use? Well, basically, there are about 3,000 different forms of meditation. And I have now discovered just by uh, understanding neuroscience, uh, understanding cognitive work, understanding inner child work, the tools that I use that really get people mindful, that get people into the present moment have to do with embodiment and nervous. I use nervous system regulation tools. I teach a toolkit for people, what's, what I call it, becoming trigger proof. And it doesn't mean becoming trigger less. It means using your trigger as a portal to jump inside your body and go and rescue the younger parts of you that your trigger is coming up. That's the ultimate form of mindfulness is to be able to take an activated nervous system around you, what's happening, whatever is you're confronted by and use that to go inside and discover the transferring projected wounding that this challenge or this moment has brought up and self-resource. That's the ultimate form of mindfulness to me, is to become so acutely aware of what's going on in your body, where it's coming from, and to self-resource. And that those are the tools I used. And so to help relax people, you use your entertaining tools, I'm, I'm guessing. Do you feel like, like we're just too serious? Like we need to lighten up? Yeah. Well, the thing is, Bruce, the, um, the most fulfilling parts of our lives are when we're activating our prefrontal cortex and our prefrontal cortex is involved in play is involved in curiosity when we are our nervous systems are activated we now go into a fight or flight state or we go into shutdown mode those cognitive centers in the prefrontal cortex go completely offline and so how can you tell when you are holding on to a persistent complaint when you're holding on to a story one of the first signs that come up is that you lose your sense of humor because you you have a playful inner child within you deep down inside you you are a curious uh, being that wants to explore that's who we are that's how we show up in the world when we start off as children somewhere along the lines because of the traumas that we go through we dissociate from that so our healing work becomes to return back to that curious, playful part of us, which is where our truth and our healing is. And my work is all dedicated to helping guide people through that. So whether it's through my own stories, whether it is bringing up humor within you, if I can help 
bring up some level of emotion within you. I've engaged in this conversation. I, I, I tell you a story or I say something funny that brings up an emotion within you. I've now activated different parts of your brain and nervous system to start rewiring properly and heal. And that's, you know, the focus of, of the work that I do, like just as a, from a teacher's perspective, the work that I do as, as far as, as sharing with people how to become more mindful is how to access those inner child parts of themselves. So yes, we are definitely too serious and returning back to our playful selves is a necessary component in our healing journey. So as a kid, were you funnier than most of them? <laughs> uh, I was always a, a clown. I was always a, a funny clown. I was always theatrical. Um, it, it was a very important part. My, my parents would uh, have friends over uh, and they would say, my, I have a twin brother and we would always watch um, Saturday Night Live. That was back when Saturday Night Live was big. Dana Carvey and all those guys. So we would do uh, those skits. And so my parents would have people come over and then I would then, they would say, hey, Nima, do, do that skit, do the Hans and Franz skit. And I would get up and perform and get such like thunderous applause in those early years. That was the seed of my kind of performing style. And so I always really loved being on stage and doing talks and workshops and uh, uh and just being up and, and teaching and enter and throwing entertainment and fun uh, along with it. And then one day you said, I've decided I'm going to go to school and become a chiropractor. Yeah. <laughs> so and tell then, us about that. I got my first adjustment at the age of 13 and I was like, I want to be a chiropractor. And I just went through the whole thing. And here I am, 25 years old, feeling, you know, 30, 25, 30 years old, few years into practice, feeling really frustrated because my life had gotten so serious. And then what ends up happening is I, I just felt like that my soul was disconnected. I was disconnected from my soul. And a friend of mine said, hey, why don't we do a couple of skits that are chiropractic based? Uh, let's do some videos and just put it out on YouTube and see, see what happens. Anyway, to make a long story short, this one video called The Power of the Adjust, the Chiropractic Adjustment, I can find it for you on YouTube. Uh, I, I did this in 2009 as a little commemoration around the time when Michael Jackson died because I'm a big Michael Jackson fan. We did a little um, skit and that video went viral amongst chiropractors, <laughs> uh -huh. not amongst the general public, but amongst chiropractors. They were like, this is hilarious. This is amazing. And from there, I started getting invited to come and speak on different stages within the chiropractic profession. And I started doing a series of skits on YouTube about, um, you know, the frustrations of being a chiropractor and having patients that don't really take care of themselves. And I started doing a series of these um, little uh, funny skits. And that's when my, you know, from there, like I couldn't stop anymore. I was like, I got to get up there and I got to really uh, show my creative side from the stage. And I mixed chiropractic and healing in with the performance aspect of it and I haven't stopped ever since. Wow, but you are no longer acting as a chiropractor, is that right? I, I w still have my license. Okay. And I work part-time, uh, you know, one day a week, but now I run a global community of self-healers where I teach 
tools in how to heal their past and connect to their purpose and lower their anxiety and regulate their nervous system and deepen their intimacy in their relationships. Well, you have something called the overview method. What's that? Mm -hmm. The overview method is a tool. It's a tool that blends that uh, in neuroscience, the cognitive aspect of healing, of changing your narrative and your story, as well as the somatic aspect. So a top down and a bottom up approach to healing uh, nervous system dysregulation and trauma. And it's a tool that anyone can learn to take a trigger that's in front of them and turn it into deeper self-love and any conflict that's between two people or an illness or whatever conflict you're going through and turn that into deeper intimacy with yourself. So it's a healing tool that uh, is a self-directed, self-inquiry tool that helps you get into your body and clear emotional, uh, you know, dysregulation. So tell me more about this conflict resolution thing. So it could this be like your wife or husband, your partner? Could it be a business partner? Could it be somebody like a hater that you don't even know on online? Could it be yeah. somebody like that or somebody that yeah. you never even talked to? Yeah. The whole premise behind the overview method is that nothing that you're going through right now, Bruce, is about what it's about right now. For example, the conflict of the whole coronavirus thing. When this first started happening, February, March, everybody was conflicted. And what I was sharing with people and I I was experiencing within myself was that what I was being confronted by around me in my environment had very little to do with the coronavirus or around me right now. It had to do with old woundings that this thing is bringing up. So when if you're in a conflict with your partner, if you're having a business associate challenge, how do you solve it? I discovered the way to solve it is to not focus on the conflict itself, but focus on the feelings and the interpretations internally that this is bringing up for you. For example, with the coronavirus thing, you'll hear people say, I feel like I'm out of control. I feel responsible. I feel, um, you know, uh, claustrophobic and scared. You know, like everyone has a different story and an interpretation about what's going on. Some people feel enraged because they feel, Uh, like they were sent to their room as a child. So all of our emotional woundings from primary caregivers will start to bubble to the surface around this time. And the overview method and the tools that I teach are designed to, instead of getting into that conflict and dealing with the conflict at that surface level, what we do is we heal and, um, and reparent and resource those younger parts of us that this thing that's in front of me now, this conflict now between partner, between business associate, between coronavirus, that this is bringing up. And once that's taken care of, the answer that you give that younger part of you from your functional adult self is the exact guidance you're needing in the current conflict and it works like a hot dam and what you're able to do is to really show up an, a functional adult fully resourced non-reactive not so uh, at the effect of other people's emotions not so codependent you're able to show up as a functional adult uh, and, and speak your voice set your boundaries and ask for what you need 
Right. And so every once in a while you, you throw a rap in when you're working with people or when you're on stage. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, that helps to kind of get the point across, I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah. So do you, have, do you have a rap you do to get the point across about the overview method? Well, um, I, I do. Uh, well, one that comes to mind, if you're, if you're that interested in hearing it, one that comes to mind, um, uh, a big thing that I do is I, I teach people that pills aren't the answer to, to solve a problem caused by an inner conflict that we can actually resolve. So one of the things I, I say is that pills don't teach skills. You got to look inside if you want to find the answer to your ills. Pills don't teach skills. Covering the truth in exchange for your dollar bills. So that's kind of the uh, a little uh, riff from uh, from the chorus of that song. Pills don't teach skills. And so, do you put a track on, like a beatboxing kind of track or something? I do. I have a beat. I have a little beatboxer thing. And so, if I'm teaching it to an audience, I'm speaking. Um, depending on the audience, I might start with it just to kind of break the ice. And uh, but yeah, it's 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 another tool just to help people just get into their bodies and feel relaxed and feel safe when there is some sort of an entertainment and some sort of a performance. And when I kind of get myself vulnerable and, and share myself that way, it, it, it opens it, it opens the doorway to better communication. Hey, Bruce, it's Katie Kremitzos of the Women's Meditation Network. And I just wanted to give you a giant, giant congratulations for five years of podcasting. Oh my gosh, I still remember meeting you at PodFest all those years ago and just in your first year or two of podcasting, how far you've come. I am so proud of you and I know every single person listening benefits from the incredible work that you do. Thank you so much and big congratulations. Can you share a story of somebody that you have helped to transition to a better place because of the teachings that you do? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was a just spoke with one yesterday that comes to my mind. Michelle had come to me at a time where she was dealing with she was taking about eight different medications, ulcerative colitis. She had ulcerative colitis, fibromyalgia. Uh, uh, her stomach was in knots, anxiety, depression. She was going through a really difficult time, and it just so happened that she was separated from her husband, living in the same house. As soon as he would walk in the door, her stomach would just go like this, right, and so. She, she was like, I don't know whether to stay or to go. I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. And I told her, I said, this work isn't about saving your marriage. This work is about shifting the relationship within yourself so you can access what your heart truly wants and be able to ask for what you want. And so we started getting to work on the process. And it turns out that she had a whole bunch of unresolved trauma with a father, uh, with a mother who committed suicide, a father that was abusive. And all we did was we had no, we paid no attention to what's going on in her current partnership. And we just went and healed with the younger part of her that was felt abandoned, that felt hurt that felt abused, that felt betrayed. And we, we got her to be able to heal, to witness and, um, and resource those parts of her. And what came through on the other side, she said, yeah, I think I'm, I'm ready to leave. And now I just checked up on her. This is two years after the fact. I was checking up, hey, by the way, Michelle, how are you doing? She's off of all of her medications except one. She was on eight of them. She's on one more, but she's like insisting to her doctor to get off of them. Her ulcerative colitis and fibromyalgia have now gone into remission. And now her partner and her, her have separated and they're, they have great 
co-working relationship with their child, a co-parenting relationship with the child. She said, in fact, we're going over to his place tonight for dinner. So thank you so much for all of that. And she just had the courage to go inside and heal those old wounds. Wow, that's really incredible. Do you think people always need to get a, another person, a mentor, a helper, a, a counselor, or a, or a coach to help them? Or can sometimes people use these tools to solve these problems themselves? That's a good question. This has been a very big, uh, very huge controversy in the psychological world. If you've ever been, followed someone on Instagram named The Holistic Psychologist, she discovered uh, years ago that the current model of therapies just don't work. She had anxiety, she had all this unresolved trauma, and she just, it didn't work. So she started a path of self-healing through journaling, through uh, meditation, through breath work, and through inner child work. And so she started she started raising this global community of self-healers. And so what happened was all the psychologists, therapists got extremely pissed and annoyed as, as you know, as you would imagine they would because they thought she was suggesting that everyone should ditch their therapist. She was just sharing her story that traditional therapies don't work. And I agree with her because a lot of times when you have a support worker or a, ther a therapist or something, you actually have a support worker. You have somebody that is listening to your story and validating your story, which feels great, especially after you've gone through something really difficult. But the problem is one year later, two years later, three years later, if you're still being supported in a narrative that keeps you in a victim state, you never heal, you never grow. So ugh, it's, a, it's a touchy situation. The majority of the work must be done. This is what we what we teach. The majority of the work must be done on your on your own. You're you know you're reparenting your wounded inner child. You re reparenting means you got a discipline when you didn't understand proper discipline. Um, treating yourself to play and nature when when you didn't have access to that growing up. Um, being compassionate towards yourself. These, this is all self-work. 90% of it is. However, we have blind spots. You cannot, you know, the, outs, the inside of a mayonnaise jar can't read the label. We can't, we don't know what we don't know. We can't see our blind spots. And so it is extremely important to find what I call a guide. A guide who's walked the path who's cried the tears, not necessarily just because they have a, a, you know, a shingle on their wall or a degree doesn't necessarily qualify them to be the most, the, the greatest helper to you. Somebody who's walked the path a few steps ahead of you, cried those tears, who's done their work and has experience with exactly the thing that you're confronted by to have a guide help you to find the hero within you, not a hero outside of you to fix you, but, but to actually be the guide, to, to find a guide to guide you back into yourself. So having a coach, a mentor, a guide to help point out your blind spots, to hold you accountable, to remind you when you forget of the commitment that you made, because it's going to be difficult. And truth be told, if you could do it by yourself, you would have done it alone you would have done it already. And so number one, guide, and number two, a community. 
it's not just one person. Now we have a new model of healthcare where we heal in community, we transform in community. So having a guide and a community is super duper important to get that outcome. Yeah, Dr. Nima, I totally agree with you in both of those things. And, and speaking of getting into yourself and learning more about who you really are, do you meditate? Is meditation part of your own personal journey? Yes, 100%. Meditation is a, is, is a very important part. I've just been putting together all different forms of meditation. I've created my own meditation. The Overview Method is an active meditation, which helps you, which gets you, first of all, present in your body into the moment, but then going back and connecting to the younger parts of you that have been activated in the moment and reparenting and uh, communing and communicating with that part of you uh, and then bringing that wisdom to your current self moving in the future so that you can continuously stay intentionally fully resourced in the future rather than stuck in the past. It's a probably it's an essential it's an essential um, kind of essential nutrient for the soul. So I know you're from uh, BC. Have you always lived there or did you live somewhere else and then transition yeah. to that? I was born in Iran, moved okay. to Canada when I was four in 1979 and uh, grew up in Ottawa, Canada. Okay. And we moved to, I moved to Vancouver to come to UBC and I just fell in love with it. And I, I've been in British Columbia ever since. So I'm going to be a BC boy all my life, whether I go to the island or Vancouver, but this is where, this is where I belong now. It's certainly a beautiful place. Yeah, we visited Vancouver, and it's absolutely amazing. Yeah. Totally. Where, where are you from? Uh, London, Ontario, Canada. Ah, okay. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, I'm an Ontario boy, too, so I yeah. get it. But it's beautiful out here. Yeah, yeah. So do you do talks all over the world? Tell us about that work that you do. Yeah. Well, before COVID, I had a three-day kind of live retreat called the Overview Experience, where we do the body-based and cognitive-based approach to healing trauma. We go into breath work. We go into meditation. We, I teach you how to change the story. We get into dyads uh, and um, kind of work through our past triggers together. Um, but thanks to COVID, what I've done is uh, I've moved it now online on Zoom. But I regularly, I have communities in Australia, in uh, in Vancouver, in Toronto, uh, in Barcelona. And what I would just do is travel around and do them there. And so I've had to pivot and adapt. And now I do the monthly breathwork and inner child meditation. It's coming up on Sunday, actually. Uh, every month we do that. And then we have the overview experience, which is a five-hour deep, deep retreat, deep dive. Uh, and all of that's on Zoom now. So when things open up, hopefully next year, we'll go back to doing the live events. But um, for now, this seems to be working. Wow, that's that's great. Now you mentioned uh, dyads, and I I know that there may be some listeners that aren't clear on what that is. Can you explain that to us? Yeah, what that is is uh, two people getting into like a pairing, and you ask each other questions. You take each other through the overview method exercise. So you two people, one one facilitator, one kind of client, and I teach you how to walk people through the overview method in these live trainings. Right, I see. Now, um, I've worked in bullying for a long time, and I want to ask you a question about that. If you've ever been bullied, if you've ever had any challenges that way, or maybe you were a bully in certain situations in life, is there a situation you can tell us about where mindfulness would have made a difference? The thing is, is that yeah, I was bullied. There was a lot of racism growing up in Stittsville, Ontario, outside of Ottawa. And so 
this is the foundation of why I do the work that I do now, because I was bullied. Uh, my self-esteem was incredibly low. Um, I think that, um, and yeah, we've all, we've all kind of, I think we've all been bullied and we've all played the role of a bully in different, different, different times. Uh, mindfulness, um, at the time I, I, I was so upset. I don't think that any kind of mindfulness work would have, would have been helpful, but the work that I've understood now, uh, is to, uh, really with the overview method, I've been able to go back there and see that had it not been for those bullies, I actually wouldn't have the confidence that I have now. The bullies are there to awaken us to parts of us we haven't yet loved about ourselves. And, um, you know, the bully and the bullied are a dynamic team. The oppressed and the oppressor are an energetic match for one another. And so um, once you really get that and you fill the cracks in the floorboard of what's missing inside, people don't mess with you anymore. You're able to, your presence is able to, and it's not really about size, it's about presence. I get bullied as a reflection of how I feel about myself. This isn't victim blaming, but this is actually uh, mindfulness is to understand that I am treated. I treat, I teach you how to treat me by the way that I'm feeling and treating myself. So to, to, to know this, uh, to realize that others are treating me as a reflection of how I treat myself when I do the work properly to heal those wounds and to give myself what I've been wanting outside to give, uh, to receive, all of a sudden I fill those cracks in the floorboard. My presence is different. The way that I speak is different. My eye contact is different. I can stand there, look you in the eye. My handshake uh, depicts a internal sense of power. And oddly enough, people can sense that and they don't, uh, there isn't a bullying type of energy. So I'm, I'm of the opinion that um, bullies with the, those who are bullied, there's kind of like this weird entanglement dynamic going on. And so the bully is usually someone who's been bullied and feels so small that they need to find somebody they perceive energetically as weaker so they can enforce dominance because they're feeling so small. Somebody who feels truly good about themselves and is compassionate towards themselves doesn't treat others like shit. So, um, you know, it, it, how many people do I know who are martial arts, martial arts uh, experts or karate experts or big weightlifters and uh, or super duper successful people? And I say, you know, what was it like for you? And they were like, I was bullied as a kid. I'm like, ah. The being bullied was the greatest thing that ever happened to me <laughs> because it woke me up to finally finding that power within myself. Yeah, that certainly happens. Wow. Yeah. I want to ask you about some of your biggest fears you've ever faced in your life and how you were able to move through them. And uh, so what pops into your mind uh, of a big fear? Biggest fear I had was getting divorced and I got divorced uh, 10, 12 years ago and uh, I faced it and it was the most horrifying experience of my life and I got through it and uh, each step kind of made me stronger. And the next part was uh, experiencing the, the, the next biggest fear that I had, Bruce, is public humiliation. Uh, 
And so uh, after I left my full-time chiropractic practice, I was in a relationship with someone where we both uh, kind of had this online community where we were helping people through their relationship issues. And ironically, uh, we had a very dysfunctional relationship going on at the same time. So I was not actually living congruently with what I was teaching. I was teaching one thing, but I was living something else. And my biggest fear was being exposed. And that the volatility of our relationship exploded very publicly and it was extremely humiliating. And I had to take six months off of work because I couldn't help other people. I couldn't distract myself like I was by helping other people and being the hero to other people or being relevant. I couldn't do that anymore because it wasn't working and I couldn't. And I had to actually sit there and face my biggest fear, which was public humiliation. And again, it turned out to be the greatest thing for me because it deepened my work of finding <clears throat> compassion towards myself, uh, going beyond forgiveness and finding actual deep, radical self-love in the face of external um, opposition, in the face of external ridicule, in the face of external humiliation. And my mentor, Dr. John Martini, says that when the voice and the vision on the inside becomes louder and more profound than opinions on the outside, you've begun to master your life. And I was living my life in paralyzing fear of not being approved of, not being accepted, of being humiliated, of being exposed. And when that actually happened, my biggest fear came to pass. It gave me an opportunity to actually go in and truly learn how to have my opinion of myself trump every other opinion of others around me. And so that's kind of the foundation of the work that I teach now, which is called Becoming Trigger Proof. And so every fear, every challenge, every obstacle that I've gone through using this work, I've been able to turn into the greatest blessing. And I love teaching people how to do the same thing. Yeah. And you do a lot of teaching through video on YouTube as well. So tell me about some of that work that people can, can see. Yeah. I got a YouTube channel. Just look up Dr. Nima. The best way is um, to join my Facebook group. It's called Be uh, Trigger Proof. Uh, I can send you the link right in the chat box here. Sure. Uh, but um, yeah, that's the best way to do it is just, I do a lot of trainings every day or two uh, based on a client uh, experience. I come in and I do a, um, I do a training of the revelations of what I just discovered. So, yeah, there's tons of content out there that's free. I have a webinar that uh, that I teach how to become trigger proof. If you wanna, I can give you the uh, the promo code for any listener here. Yes, and the promo code Mindful Tribe is trigger proof, all one word. And Dr. Nima's Facebook group is called Trigger Proof regulate stress and strengthen immunity so check that out on facebook and uh yeah so i have a ton of free content uh out there and uh, i just love teaching people how to heal their own wounds so that they can create magnificent relationships and uh, and have healthy attachments in their lives to people to work and not be so confronted by the opinions of others and connected to their heart, their purpose, emotionally regulate, deepen their intimacy, and heal their relationships. Wow, that's great. And I will put all of that information in our show notes at mindfulnessmode.com. So check it out, and you can type into the search bar, Dr. Nima, 
N-I-M-A. And Mindful Tribe, go to his website, Dr. Nima. Dot com. It's D-R-N-I-M-A. It's that simple. So check it out now. Dr. Nima, as we move on, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just, sure. just uh, 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this. Sure. Who's one person who has been a powerful mindfulness influence in your life? Dr. John Martini, by far. Uh, he uh, taught me how to ask the right questions to change my perspective, perspective and my perceptions uh, to seeing whatever has been in the way was actually on the way, like bullies, for example. So Dr. John was my mentor and huge, uh, been following him for 20 some odd years. And last year in Paris, I got to share the stage with him, which was a huge thrill. Wow, I bet it was. Yeah, he is so wise. He has so much knowledge. I was just yes. honored to have interviewed him not too long ago, just in the last month or so. And it's just amazing. I've been a student of his for 20 some odd years and um for me to finally kind of get to the point where I remember five years ago, I was at his seminar in Sydney, Australia, and I was in the bathroom at the urinal and he was in the urinal next to me. And I said, John, I'm going to share the stage with you one day. He goes, I look forward to that. And then here we are five years later in Paris and I did it last year and it was huge thrill. Wow, I have a, the video of the whole thing too. You could I, I have it on YouTube. Wow. It's called Dance Like You Don't Care Who's Watching. If you go on YouTube and search my name, Dr. Nima, Dance Like You Don't Care Who's Watching, that's a good one. It's a little five minute clip of my talk and the, the, the premise of the talk. And it ends with me uh, kind of introducing my mentor, which was a huge thrill. Wow, that must have been. So my second question, how has mindfulness affected your emotions, Dr. Nima? Um, mindfulness gives me the ability to regulate my emotions. Without mindfulness, my emotions drive the bus of my life, our lives. And with the right tools, you're able to um, surf the waves of your emotions and not have them run your life. Right. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice. I teach a thing called conscious connected breathing. I learned that uh, I wasn't breathing properly. And so just getting connected to your breath is the foundation of all transformation. And so that's kind of like the baseline of what I teach in my breath work and badassery workshop. Uh, and it's a, so it's something that, you know, you use becoming mindful of the way that you're breathing is the foundational practice of going from unconscious to conscious. If you could recommend a book somehow related to mindfulness, what would that be? I'm writing one called Becoming Trigger Proof, uh, but uh, my favorite one is The Untethered Soul. Oh, yeah. By Michael Singer. The, my Hands down, my favorite. Yeah, he is so amazing. He really is. So can you share an app that can help people with mindfulness? Uh, an app that shares, that helps people with mindfulness um, any one of the uh, calm or med any meditation app is really <laughs> just any meditation app. You don't really need an app. I think uh, if you have any app that helps you kind of guide you into a meditation, then you're in the right track. Yeah. Well, it's just incredible what you're doing to help the world, you know, help the world heal. And it sounds very powerful with all of the work that you do and, and so on. So what are your final words to Mindful Tribe? The wounding and the traumas that you've gone through in your life, they didn't start with you. They didn't start with your parents, but they're unconsciously driving your life. 
you think that you're in control, but unfortunately, when you get your nervous system activated and you don't have the skills to regulate, you're not in control of your life. Your unconscious complexes are, and you end up repeating your past. And that's not your fault, and it's your responsibility because it didn't start with you, but it can end with you. And all about healing families. I stand for healed families and breaking the cycle of intergenerational trauma. Wow. Thank you so much for that. And Mindful Tribe, check out drnema.com and his YouTube channel as well. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Dr. Nima. Thanks for having me, Bruce. My pleasure. Bye now. Bye. Thanks for listening to Mindfulness Mode today. And I'd love for you to share your five-year anniversary congrats message. Just go to speakpipe.com slash mindfulness mode and leave a quick message and I'll get as many as possible on the show. And uh, just thanks again for supporting Mindfulness Mode over the years. I truly appreciate it. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.